The Collective Whisper Podcast with Simon King. Hello everybody, welcome to today's show. I'd like to welcome Ruth Dillon from Clonmel, but now living in Galway, who is with us here today. Tipperary-born, Connemara-based singer-songwriter Ruth writes reflective and melodic songs driven by poetic lyrics. With a musical style steeped in folk and roots, she has a sweet, emotive voice and was described by Irish music magazine Hot Press as a real gem. Ruth has had a busy and colourful career to date. She toured for five years as a singer with renowned Irish artist Dolores Keane and has released her own solo CDs, Silent Thief and Woken, compiled of her own songs. Currently, Ruth is one member of esteemed folk band The Rains alongside Yvonne Tiernan and Juliana Erconan. They were voted in the top 10 Irish gigs of 2019 by the Sunday Independence Barry Egan. Okay, so welcome to the show, Ruth. How are you? I'm great, Simon. And how are you doing? Very good, very good. good. Keeping well. Keeping the good side out, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all you can do. That's all we're all doing, isn't it? For no matter where we are in the world, I suppose we're all in the same boat. And uh, yeah, getting through day by day, really, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like just whatever it's thrown at us, we're just taking it day by day. Well, I am anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ruth, you're in Invern, aren't you? I am. I'm out in Inverin, which is um, uh, on the outskirts of Galway. It's Connemara, actually, yeah. you know, but it's not not too far. It's uh, just past Spiddle there. So you're talking about, oh God, what are we, about 25 kilometres from Galway City. Uh, a beautiful area out here. I, I married a man um, from Salt Hill, actually, Darren okay. McGee. And um, yeah, but he had a house out here. So I moved out here to Inverin. So here I am in the mid- middle of the Gale Talked, uh and... You know, it's an Irish-speaking, beautiful Irish-speaking area. Um, my little son, who's eight, beautiful Irish. Oh, my God, the, the, the blast, you know. But I don't have the Irish. It's terrible, you know. I yeah, don't I, have enough, anyway. I was going to ask you, were you a Gaelgore? But is your husband a Gaelgore? Well, he's a, Ga- a Gaelic speaker. He's, he's a, oh, yeah, he's an amazing. Uh, he grew up in Salt Hill, but his whole family, uh, even in Salt Hill, which isn't an Irish-speaking area, per se, but his mom brought them all up through uh, Irish, so um, he has a different kind of different blast to the to the locals here. But uh, no, yeah, yeah, he's it's it's an Irish speaking house except for me. <laughs> I try, but you know, my little son just uh, just says to me, "Mom, speak in English." In other words, because I'm from the south of Ireland, so um, we we you know it's a completely different dialect there, you know, and, and yeah. pronunciation, yeah. In in Tipperary, is there like a, a Gaeltic there? No. Uh, well, there, the, yeah, actually, there's a few areas around. I'm not sure Tipperary, but very close to the Tipperary and Waterford, which is on we're on the border with Waterford Ring, and a, a very very uh, strong Gaeltic area is around there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you wouldn't like I didn't growing up. You wouldn't hear it. You know, not 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 in Clonmel, in the town. No. Yeah. So, so you were you born in Clonmel? Yeah, I know you grew up there, but were you born there? Born in Clonmel, born and raised in Clonmel. Yeah, um, beautiful town in South Tipperary, and uh, it really is. It's called Vale. It's Clonmala, Australia, and that's the Vale of Honey. Um, so famous for its, its honey. Um, 
And I didn't realise at the time when you're in the right in the centre of Clonmel, when I go down there now and I look around, it's just mountains all around. It's beautiful. It's a valley, you know. So it's a, yeah, lovely, lovely town down there. And, you know, was it like, were your parents from the town or did they move to the town or were they all had, moved, like, are there moved. generations of you there? No, not at all. No, uh, moved to the town. My mom is originally from Galway and my brothers were born in Galway and um, my dad originally from Kilkenny. Um, and they, he moved for, he worked in ESB, so he was moved there. Uh, and um, that's why, that's why we ended up in, in Clonmel. Wow. Yes. And what was it like growing up in Clonmel? I mean, because obviously, you know, the, the hard drinkers in Ireland will know Bulmers from Clonmel and everything. So that that was funny because it was it kind of Clonmel was known. But when Bulmers became big, it, it propelled Clonmel into another kind of league, yeah. didn't it? It did, of course. Yeah, it's funny. It's there. It's now it's Magners now is written outside. Actually, they changed the name of it. But um. Yeah, Bulmer is very famous. That's what that's what Tom would be very famous for. Uh, you, you know, when we were young, like I remember, you know, you'd be out quite young, having a few, and um, big flagons of uh, Bulmers and all this thing. And I hated. I, I to this day, I can't really don't don't tell anyone. I can't really face cider at all anymore. You know, and everyone loves it. But um, yeah, I, I, apples are a big thing in Glanmel. Really is actually because I remember like there are just orchards everywhere, and of course down in Bulmers, orchards everywhere. And uh, but uh, but it was a lovely town actually to grow up in. Really, really, really safe, and it felt at the time. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm away from it a long time now, and still beautiful. I love going home. Love going back to Glanmel. Um, still, my mom is down there, and my my brothers are there. Um, so it's, it's a great place to visit and uh, it's beautiful. The whole area around it, as I said, mountains. And when you drive through, there's the, it's called the V and there's, there's um beautiful, it's full of trees. So different to where I am now, you know, here is very, it's very stony, beautiful, a different landscape completely. And Clamella's trees and lush and green and, you know, yeah, that's yeah, a beautiful and- I was talking to one of my guests there a few weeks ago and we were talking about being young and going into the orchards and stealing the apples, you know, and, and you yes. kind of tried to justify it by bringing home some cooking apples for your mother. And she'd be like, where did you get those? And you'd be like, oh, I just got them. And she'd be like, I hope you weren't in that orchard. Yeah. So, but it's sure, for you, mom. <laughs> yeah, it's for you, mom. You know, it's like when the yeah. cat brings the dead mouse to you, you know, oh. it's for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I, I have a scar on my back, but I'm not going. <laughs> not going to show you now. Um, from 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 being in an orchard when I was young, and we jumped over this fence and um, barbed wire, <laughs> oh, and I slid down a thing and barbed wire. So I have, a, I have a scar down my back from robbing the old apples in in Clonmel. But do you know there were different times. I feel so yeah. old now, but I just think you know such beautiful times. I've just been talking to people from Clonmel and. Um, you know, like there was no phone. Thank God there were no phones. Or no, yeah. I, we were just out from morning to night, as I'm sure, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you probably remember yourself. It's great times, you know. I, I'm sure they have some of the best orchard thieves in Clonmel, probably. <laughs> I'm sure they have. There must be a band called the Orchard Thieves, surely. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, yeah. Be, it's, it's funny yeah. because in, in Spain here, they have, the, um, they have a, a, a cider 
and it's called um, Ladrones de Manzanas, and it's a picture of a fox, or I think it's a oh. fox on the front, but it's, because cider wouldn't be a very big drink here. They have their own sidre, which is Spanish, um, but the cider, Bulmer's Magners, has a different taste to their one. Uh, okay. But now, in the last few years here, they, that Spanish cider um, has become much bigger here, and it's kind of influenced by Magners, and, you oh. know... Because oh, obviously you remember, I remember when when we were younger, you drink Magners, but you'd also drink Taunton and all these English ciders. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know I've travelled in France, like through with the music and that, and there, there's a lot of cider there or in America. And in America, a lot of the times there's no alcohol in it. You know, cider yeah. isn't an alcoholic thing in America. It's more that like the kids drink cider, uh, you know, yeah. so it kind of depends on where you are. For sure, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I better and, say Clonmel is the best anyway. Clonmel is the best. But but what for you then growing up in Clonmel, you know, like what were you there till your late teens or when did you move out of Clonmel? Yeah, no, I was there until uh after the leaving in nineteen, about nineteen, eighteen, eighteen. Um um and I came up here to Galway actually and I, I did a God, it's funny. I did a course in hotel management, would you believe? Okay. In, in <laughs> yeah. GMR and the RTC? No, no, because I, actually I was younger. I tell a lie, I was younger. I was very young starting school. So when I finished my leaving cert, would you believe it? I was only 16 and a half. So it was very hard to get into college or anything at that stage. So I did um, uh, um, hotel management through the Ardalone Hotel for, for three years. Oh, yes. So I did every, every department and, and got my diploma that way. Um, so it was interesting. It was interesting. It's not something I really, uh, you know, went went further with actually. But uh, yeah, bartending stood to me. That part, that area stood to me because uh, you know, in America, I, I was uh, I worked in bars and that kind of thing when I was a young one. Um, but yeah, that's 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 why I that's just when when I came to Galway. You came so <clears throat> um, so when before you like before you got to Galway and you were still in Clonmel <clears throat> and you were in your teens there. You know, what was it? A, did you have a lot of fun growing up as a teenager there? Or, you know, were you kind of saying, I can't wait to get out of it? What, was it an entertaining town? Um, well, was it an entertaining town? You know, I suppose for me, I didn't really know that I would pursue music as a, as a career. So, um, uh, and, I, and I'm not a traditional Irish musician. So mm. uh, for me, in terms of music, um, it probably didn't have a lot of live music that I can remember that much, mm. you know. But I had great crack. I loved it. I absolutely loved my teens. I had, I had so much fun. I just remember it being free and easy and um, just a really happy time. And that. But I have to say, I have a bit of a roving spirit. So I think, you know, when the time came, um, I, I was dying to get out and just see the yeah. world and, and just see, you know, what it had to offer. And um so it wasn't so much that I wanted to escape something or just that I wanted to explore something new, you know. Right. I think that's that's, that's yeah. what sort of sent me away. And I came to Galway, as I said, for the for three years and then then off to America straight. As, as soon as I had a chance, I, I went over to America for about a year to Boston. Wow. And yeah, and that's that's actually where music started for me because I bought my first guitar there. This is it. Would you believe? Wow, you have that. Wow, it's brilliant. I brought it back with me, and um, and yeah. So I I started writing songs really there, and um, and then it's when I came back after the year that I started to Galway again, uh, that I got a band together and started playing music really from there. 
Wow. So, yeah. so did you, you know, like when you were in Clonmel and you were growing up, did you kind of to escape the school and everything, did you have like, you know, side jobs or did you do other things, babysitting or, you know, side, side hustles? I did. I did. I did actually. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that for a long time. I did. I, I babysat and I, um, I worked all the time, actually. I, I yeah. did uh, part-time jobs in a bookshop in Clonmel. And at the time, I wasn't even the best reader in the world. Now I am. Yeah. I, I really wish I had done it all along. I love, I love reading now. It's a great, great escape. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I was in a bookshop and I was in a jewellery shop, which I love, love jewellery. So that was, that was good too. Yeah, that part-time, was nice. You know, so yeah. I did that part-time um, and just, you know, hung out a little bit and... Um, sang always sang uh through, throughout the years i was always in some sort of a musical or something you know when i was growing up yeah yeah uh, Ol- oliver or oliver. you know <laughs> all the things you know um singing competitions when i was young i can't remember what they were called but i remember always being being in these uh singing competitions and irish dancing and this kind of so i was always in that you know i was always on the stage Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's good. It kind of led you to another thing. And you know, when you left school, then were you, you know, did you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to go to college now, or I want to work, I want to get away from school entirely? What was your kind of thinking process as about leaving? Did you leave Clan Mel and think, okay, I want to travel, or did you think were your parents saying to you, no, no, you have to go to college? What was that conversation? No, it wasn't like it wasn't like that actually. Uh, and I think the reason that that is is because of how young I was and how so I really didn't have many options um I was very young like I, I often I laughed to my mother I said why did you send me to school so I think it was like three and a half when she sent me to school first wow. because I, I you know I did my leaving and I was 16 and a half when or you know 17 when I finished 16 and a half so it was very hard as I said to get into you know I didn't have choices of colleges because <clears throat> I was kind of too young but I didn't really know I was too young to really know what I wanted I think to be honest Simon I was just kind of like um so hotel management I, I was I'm a sociable person I think my mother saw that in me and she kind of encouraged me maybe this is an angle you could go and this you know so um yeah so that's I think why I ended up uh, moving away um but yeah I don't I don't think it was anything to do with you know wanting to leave there or wanting to um not study or anything like that you know I just uh, but probably probably I would have preferred to explore the world than than study you know I had a bit of a as I said I had a bit of a roving spirit I think just wanted to get out there and and enjoy the world or something yeah and when you so because you had been working in the Ardalon and kind of in hotel work was that the first kind of place you looked when you went to Boston towards the hotel to continue that or did you change no, I didn't actually. That's where I, I au pair. I was, I was minding children over there. Right. Um, I went over. I went over with a friend of mine, Etna, and um, you know we were just so young and just just it didn't matter what we did to be honest. But we started out as au pairs and and living in with the family and all this kind of thing and just dying to meet each other at the weekends and we go yeah. out and have a great crack. And I, I ended up working in a bar there and it was a great scene. You know, um, uh, I was I was still very young. I don't think I still was too young to be in a bar. Not to mind working in the bar, but they didn't know that. Swear <laughs> to God. But the tips were amazing and I loved it. It was a great old life over there. You know, met great people. Um, uh, you know, a lot of Irish people, Boston, of course, you know, and, and the Irish look after their own. In some ways, I was a little bit not disappointed. I mean, it was so great to meet so many Irish people there, but um, 
I always think about that and think, you know, I wish I had kind of branched out. I was very young and I loved the kind of cocoon of Irishness around me, probably. But um, I suppose I didn't really get to uh, experience other cultures as much as I'd like to have over there. You know, I've been back to America loads of times, but in terms of living there, um, you know, it was just, yeah, it was very, it was the Irish scene and everyone out to the pub and drinking and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, look, it's great, I'll crack all the same, you know. That, that can happen because for some people, whether they go to America or Australia or the UK, sometimes they get so caught up in the Irish scene and they're, they're like, they have this sense of freedom but another part of them wants to be around the kind of people they know and that kind of culture. And then sometimes when they come back, they have regrets because they're like, oh, I, I, you know, I had a great time, but I didn't see enough of the country or I didn't go outside that circle as much as I should have. And I think it happens to a lot of people because you kind of tend to go. It's a bit like a Chinatown kind of syndrome. You know, everybody comes together, don't they? They do. They do. And it's very understandable, I think, because... You know, I, the, the Irish do stick together a lot too. You know, it's a, it's very, um, uh, you know, I'm watching the matches in the pubs and all that kind of thing, the reminders of home and the singing and all that kind of thing. And that's beautiful. I think that's really nice in one way. Um, I didn't realise other people felt like this. I never delved into it too much, but I do remember that that was a slight regret of mine is that um, uh, maybe it was unavoidable. I don't know. But that, you know, I sometimes used to see people there and... They, they probably loved it, but, you know, that they were working there on maybe on building sites or, or you know, working really hard. And I used to think that all they saw was kind of people from home and everything. So they might as nearly might as well have been at home. But I suppose yeah. they were earning money. They were earning money. We all, we were earning money. I, I was one of them. Um, but I used to hop on the train sometimes and go out to Cambridge or places just on my own and just try and just, you know, try and meet other people and see other things and that. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. And one thing I never asked you, obviously, in your family in Clonmel, how, how, did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, uh, three older brothers and one younger sister. Okay, yeah. and were any of them in America when you went or were you the only bird to fly the nest? At that time, the only one, the only one. But I had, like, they all travelled at, at different times in their lives. So, like, um, I have a brother, um, Des, who lived in Australia for a year. Um, he's an artist. And uh, I have a sister now, Lorraine, uh, who lives now in America. She's in San Francisco. Okay. She's been there. She's married there for 20 years. And, uh, yeah, so she loves it there. I, I, and it's a great place to be. Um, and she has kids there and everything. And my two other brothers... One went over for a little while to America as well, so, but they're, they're all based back in Clonmel now and that in the surrounding area. So, um, yeah, but I, yeah, they, they, I wasn't the only one. <laughs> no, no. And that's good. And and I think, you know, in, in bigger families, especially, you know, they're sometimes the older ones go before and pave a path and then other times you know nobody goes and then the youngest one goes, well, I'm going and I don't yeah. care about anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do do see that. I think uh, probably, uh, maybe I'm wrong, in my family, I feel like I was slightly wilder, maybe <laughs> known to be slightly wilder in the family. So I probably had it. You probably more. still are. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know if I am, though. No, I think this. I think that's gone. I, I think the older I get, the more sensible I get, yeah, unfortunately. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, when, you, when you have children as well and stuff like that, I, I, 
things change but um but in some ways yeah i think it's all it's always there in your head you know a little bit of a wild spirit i hope <laughs> yeah yeah so the the um, with the music you know obviously you what age did you start playing music uh well i suppose as i said earlier that i've been kind of singing and playing you know play, i play piano when i was small i, I learned piano and um uh went to piano lessons and everything uh didn't play guitar or anything like that uh sang all the time um you know i photographed of myself in the school little school band and choirs and singing you know so it was always part of what i did um but then when i was in america when i moved over there first when i was whatever it was 17 18 no no 19 i bought my first guitar and then that's when i started writing songs but kind of late really i suppose in the grand scheme of things um and then i came back to Galway um, and actually I worked in Monroe's bar for a little while remember Monroe's yeah Monroe's in the corner yeah yeah a guy called Speedy used to run it there and oh he, I remember that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean he kind of revolutionised it it was a great yeah. old place um, and it was International Women's Day and he had heard me singing like you know just joining sessions and he said can you throw a band together for Thursday night it's an International Women's Day and you know whatever and I said okay so, so I just literally kind of put a band together and that's kind of that's when I start International Women's Day I can't remember the actual year but it's about 25 years ago wow yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and did you have like you know when you were doing the musicals in school and <clears throat> singing with the hairbrush in front of the mirror and all that kind of thing did you have a style was there like who was your favorite artist when you were a teenager Oh my God, no, I didn't really, I did not, not, not for me. I didn't have a style yeah. in, in terms of what I sang. I didn't know what I wanted to do really, but, but I did have favorite singers for sure. I loved uh, David Bowie. Okay. Would have been one of my favorites. Prince. Yeah. Uh, um, but, I, you know, across the board, not, like, yeah, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So it was kind of all that sort of, um, who else would I have liked now? I don't know. They, they would have been my two, two favorites anyway there, I think. Yeah, yeah, blondie, blondie, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's it because no matter how hard I think even you know the modern day musicians and younger people, I think when people look back, you know, the eighties were such a special time for music, and now most of the modern pop songs are ripping off everything from the eighties. So it just shows you how good it really was because they weren't even around but they're going wow yeah. that's a great song let's yeah. feel the hook yeah. from that yeah. so i th i think even in 50 years when we're all gone and people look back the 80s are going to be a very special time to remember no well i think so i, I agree with you um i don't know if everyone will i mean probably you know probably everyone um as as time goes on thinks that a certain decade like i'm sure people you know the way people were talking about the 60s or you know yeah. the beatles and and all of that in the 70s, 70s, to, 70s, what would have been like disco or that kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, the 80s were definitely, I think there was something changing in the 80s. I think the, the new wave and the, you know, um, there was just, yeah, there was just a new, the punk, the kind of stuff. I, I think, I think what it was, the 80s was a mix of everything that came before and everything that was coming, if you know what I mean, because I read there recently that yeah. they said the, the most when when you look back now over the last 40 50 years the biggest year for music was in 1991 1992 i think it was because all of the 
biggest selling albums come out, rock albums like, you know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all these huge selling bands, and they all come out in one year. So they, they, they when they kind of look at more of the rock side, they say that was a huge year for music. But then okay. the 80s was more about pop and coming out of the yeah. 70s, which was kind of the rock and rock and roll. Yeah. So yeah. I think the 80s was a melting pot for everything kind of to come in the 90s and what yeah. had to come before. Good point. Good point, actually. I think you're right there. Yeah. I think, you know, and you had like the Michael Jacksons and the thing, you know, that were kind of, you know, still doing their, their the disco thing, but kind of, as you say, kind of going into the 90s or going into, you know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good point. So did you, you know, when you were started like singing and obviously when you went to America and you bought the guitar, was your musical style changing? Were you getting more into folk or was it still yeah. pop? You were. Folk, folk. No, folk. I think folk country almost. Uh, folk country. John Prine. I think John, John Prine, Prine yeah. really sticks out in my mind. I bought his album or someone bought me his his greatest hits, I think it was at the time, in America. Um, in that first time when I bought this guitar. And yeah. Oh, my God. He just blew me away. I would cry and laugh and everything. And all the songs were just amazing. And, and he still does, like... When I hear when I hear his songs, they're just beautiful. Um, uh, but yeah, so I would have been listening to. I was still listening to. I remember being, you know, having the windows down in America and listening to Prince or whatever it was at the same time. But um, I, I, I do in terms of playing. I suppose myself. Um, you know, I wasn't going to be playing any Prince times songs anytime soon. So it was kind of more folk, and I suppose I started writing in a kind of a, a gentle folk way you know um and and you know obviously you know john prine it was a great influence on a lot of people and it's a sad loss obviously because you know when you look back through artists who have died during covid his name kind of sticks out there and it's a such a shame i mean he was such a great artist but when you look back as well were there was there any women singers folk singers that stood out for you as you kind of went i you were not idolizing them but they were influencing you greatly um, good question. Uh, Janice Joplin or kind of not really, not actually. Really, no. no, and I was talking to someone only the other day about the Janice Joplins and the um, uh, not not really. I mean, I, I heard heard that, that big voice. I I don't have that big voice. Maybe that's why um, I couldn't um, see myself in that way. If you know what I mean. But definitely, there was a there's a woman called Dory Previn. I don't know if you know of Dory Previn. Great. Um, I love lyrics. So lyrics would be for me more, nearly more than the vocals, you know. So you hear someone like John Prine, he wouldn't have the best, you know, technical voice, but the emotion that he gives in a voice, you know, uh, and that always kind of, and the words. So so for me, that would have been Dory Previn uh, would be a very, um, she's an amazing lyricist. So I would have listened to a lot of, lot of her stuff. Um, and Joni Mitchell, would Joni Mitchell have influenced you a bit? Joni Mitchell, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I loved Joni Mitchell, but uh, again, I ne- I, di- I didn't even get blue the album blue. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I, I, but anytime I hear stuff, you just think, oh my god, she was just. Yeah. You know, she was amazing. She was before her time. She was just so incredible. You she, know, she always sticks out for me because. You know, I, I never was a huge fan. I mean, I always loved her music, but I never delved hugely into it. But I mean, her songs stand the test of time. And and you and even sometimes when you hear other people singing them and you're like, yeah, oh, that's an amazing song. And then, oh, that's, yeah. a, or that's a Johnny yeah. Mitchell song. And I mean, just amazing. Yeah. And I, and I think she she's one of these artists that 
I only discovered lately that um, part of the reason for her kind of quitting music was the whole image-based artist, you know. She said, oh, you want me to do this and you want me to do that? That's fine, I quit, you know. And wow. it's, I mean, she great. had a great career, but for her, it was all about the music. She was thinking, it's I don't want to be marketing. I don't yeah. want to be doing this. I want to sing. Yeah, but you could see that. I mean, you could see it. You could hear that in... Or if you see any, you know, in Sky Arts uh, on telly, they put on great documentaries on on different singers, you know. And she was on recently, and it was just all about how, you know, she, she, she was, you know, way ahead of a lot of people in terms of her guitar style, mm. and she was amazing. Like she wasn't just sitting pretty in the front and just, you know, she was saying stuff. She was really working on her guitar style and her, you know. Um, you know, and she was right up there. I mean, I mean, obviously, I love the Bob Dylans and the, you know, it seems to be more male for me, male kind of focused uh, Leonard Cohen. It's a bit obvious, all of, of the ones, you know, but again, it's kind of the lyrics, I suppose, for me is the thing that that gets me. But um, like, obviously, when you started learning guitar, um, you were, you know, following, you know, John Prine and those artists. But was there any kind of guitar players like bluegrass pickers or folk kind of guitar pickers that you kind of thought, wow, I love their style. Did you follow a particular style of guitar playing? Um, I don't know if I did. I don't know. Not, not, not then. Not then. Then was just like learning how to play the, the damn thing. You know, it was just like getting the chords down and maybe John Prine, he does a lot of that, that, that flat picking or finger picking, finger, finger picking thing. Um, so for that time, and a few of my songs actually um, would, would be, I have a few kind of finger picking ones, you know, maybe that's where I got that from. Um, in terms of uh, bluegrassy styles, I didn't really get into bluegrass until a few years ago here in Galway. Um, and that's when I kind of delved more into, you know, picking out the tune of the of the thing as well as the singing and that kind of, um, uh, you know, so at the time, not really in terms of guitar, you know, I'm, I mean, as much as I loved, you know, the, the lovely, finger picking stuff I loved you know a good solo as well you know from a, a rock uh like I, I love this. even if you hear Prince now here we go Prince again but you know some of his guitar stuff is unbelievable like uh, you know just yeah incredible he, he the thing about Prince was when he was out and he was like very pop kind of based People didn't look at his guitar skills or his musical no. skills as much. It was no. later when he kind of had less success and people looked back, they were like, oh, my God, like, did you ever hear him do that solo? Or did you? And you, we just we realize now when he's gone, how amazing he was as a musician. Genius. He was a genius. I think a genius musician. I think I think he um, I think I think every every part of his body played that guitar or sang that song or wrote that song you know I, I think he was he was kind of a genius really what he did yeah slightly slightly crazy but so, well that's it I, I think it's hard to have the balance all sides if you have that yeah. gift yeah you know? and yeah. for for you then um like obviously going back to when you picked up the guitar were you kind of like just you know using these three chord uh chord books and or did you how did you teach yourself or did you have someone to teach you or how, what did you do no and there was no no youtube or anything back then no i didn't how did i teach i right so i bought the guitar in america and i was just uh i, I think someone had showed me g c and d you know the three chord trick <clears throat> and, and i kind of you know and i'd find a little melody and i'd i'd, I'd play it again and again it would sound 
you know, thought it was great. I'm sure it was awful at the time, but I thought it was great. And then, but when I came back to Galway and there were, you know, Galway's, sure, look, you couldn't go wrong in Galway if you're a musician. There are sessions where there were at that time, sessions everywhere. So Taylor's Bar would have been one of the you know, main places that I went That's to right. um, for, yeah. for music and for entertainment, for everything. It was a great place. But there were always these music sessions at the back, acoustic. And I remember being very welcomed there and I would just go along and I would just have a guitar and quietly in the back and someone would say, sing a song and I would. And then I would, you know, I learned not to, to, to you know, play over everyone, just learn. So I kind of learned how to play by watching other people and asking, how did you do that? How did you do that? You know, and, and picking up little tricks here and there and, um, you know, and meeting brilliant musicians who, who kind of showed me, I suppose. Yeah. Do, do you think yeah. that whatever you started in Boston, because, you, you know, you got the guitar there, do you think that once you got to Galway, it was a whole new level? For me, that I... I, I uh, for your learning, for your learning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Boston, I wasn't really meeting the musicians. I just I just happened to learn a couple of chords and, and a few chords. But here, I just, and you know, I would just go in and it just, it's just, it's hard to explain Galway, isn't it? When you're not mm. here, you know, when you're from here. But it really is amazing in terms of of or, or was. I don't know if it's the same anymore. I don't know if it has that. You, you know, you know, it is. Somebody said to me one day, the thing about Galway in the late eighties and the nineties, and like even now, but I mean, the late nineties were some of the best times there, you know, and the, yeah. the mid nineties. But what it was, there was some kind of very spontaneous, impromptu things, and. You could be, it doesn't matter if you were busking and then you went into a pub or the cafe or Java's or somewhere and yeah. a session would start. But the thing is, if you went looking for that stuff, sometimes they were hard to find yeah. right? because they were just spontaneous. And now I think obviously the way music's changed and, you know, people have got a lot older and different. Even before COVID, probably you, you couldn't find this. You can find the sessions, but a lot of characters are gone too, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of the characters gone, but I think as well as that, I just think it, I think you see for those acoustic sessions, a lot of the times, uh, maybe two of the musicians would be paid. So I, and I, I was, I was that musician for a long time, say in the Crane bars and you know, myself and Bernie would be paid uh, to play on a Saturday night, but you would have 12 musicians who came in and sat around and we all shared and sang and did it, you know, so that we were, we were the, the focus point but everyone came in and, and and that was Galway for a long time. Now those acoustic sessions are kind of they're dwindling a little in Galway. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not they're not really there anymore. And that's a sad, it's a really sad thing because they were amazing. And you met you met um you were sitting, you know, you turn around and you're sitting beside John Prine, or you sit uh, you know, or you turn around and next minute it's like, hush, 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 Lee Mon about to start a song. You know, yes. it, just, it was just yeah. so easy and not forced. And it was just there, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, and the crane, the crane was like magical because you just go up some night, you know, and it'd be like half 11, 12 and everybody well into it. And you look <laughs> around the room and you see Mick Lally and you see, you could see John yeah. Prine. You see these faces and you're like, yeah. is, this, is this real? Is It's a bit surreal. <laughs> All the I things know. that you like, but it was great in a sense because those people weren't hassled when they were in there. They just were no. relaxed and nobody bothered them. That's exactly it. That's what I, that, well, you hear that often about, I suppose, Ireland, you know, the beauty of, you know, people can walk down the street and not be hassled, but absolutely, you know, you, you know, you'd, you would, um, someone would walk in and, and I remember being in, in, uh, 
I think it was the pump house or somewhere that pub down uh, it's gone now again good there you go and I remember Tommy Tiernan walked in and I had known him vaguely from before and I just said will you get up and do a set and he gets up halfway through and just uh, you know we take a break and he gets up and does a, a big set and then he was just on the cusp of kind of um uh, of his his you know the way he is now you know well known yeah. or whatever yeah yeah and uh and of course now I'm I'm, I'm singing songs with his wife <laughs> that's another story I know well yeah. but at but, the time but, you know, but it's amazing kind of isn't it the way it's amazing the way I don't want to say it's destiny or it's fate or whatever but it's amazing how things come round full circle sometimes and mm, there's like is. especially in Galway you know it's a very small circle and obviously with yeah. Tommy Tiernan and Hector doing so well and everything with their podcast mm. and then with mm -hmm. Tommy on his own show. But I mean, it's amazing. I'm, I'm sure they look back even and go, we're two Navin lads and here we end up in Galway. I so know. for me, sometimes Galway seems to be a little bit of the Mecca. I mean, it brings people together, even if they're not from Galway, it puts them together and magical things happen sometimes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But you know, like on a more serious note, I, I often... I remember being, when I came to Galway first, you know, and um, more when, you know, when I started playing music and, and people, I often heard this expression, you know, that, uh, that Galway is the graveyard of Ireland or something, or the creative graveyard of Ireland, mm. something to that effect. I can't remember now the expression, but meaning, you know, you got here and all these things happened and the sessions happened, and the, you know, but in terms of, you know, going to the next level to reach you know, the, you know the the radio stations and going going to to break America or whatever it yeah, was. Kind of yeah. But a lot of people got stuck here, and I, yeah. and that's true. You know that 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 can happen. Maybe that happens in many cities, but I know uh, it's a very special place. And yeah, um, well, you know, the thing I think about that is, well, I, I do agree that you know, obviously, not enough acts came out of Galway that would be considered you know, or compa in comparison to Dublin, you know, or Limerick, even with mm -hmm. the Cranberries. But what I always think is when you look back, back at U2 and the Cranberries, it took, it, it wasn't Irish people that really discovered them. It was Americans. Yeah. And then yeah. they told us about it because there's always that little bit of a grudgery here where it's kind of, we, we can't get away from it where if, if you say to somebody, oh, they're a brilliant band, you should support them. And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it takes them to be big somewhere else. In order for, for people to go, go. yeah, they're yeah, ours. yeah, they're ours. So unfortunately, yeah. that thing is there, and I think there have been great acts in Galway over the years, over the last thirty years or so. But the problem is maybe that they don't have that pathway to success that they would have had in Dublin. It's that. It's that, and also, um, it could be that there's so much talent here. Like I, I, I kid you not. Like I just think sometimes there's so so much, and you know. Like Galway, I suppose, is perceived maybe um, to be a small, and it is kind of a small. It's not. It's a small city, you know. It's almost a town, like yeah. with a lot of talent here, and it's kind of like, you know, um, it's hard to find. Though I know myself, you know, through the years and trying to find the way into places, it's it's kind of hard. You almost get there, and then then you then how do you keep that momentum going without money? And you know, it's just it's a funny old business anyway the music business is it's a hard game and the thing is you know the great thing about it is like if people didn't love music so much and the arts i mean people wouldn't bother with it because it's too much work and mm -hmm. if, you, if you look back and say oh how much money did we make in those 20 years a lot of successful musicians would go we didn't make that much yeah <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah and, and, and if you count in all the hours that, that all, if you count in all the hours that you 
you got the PA ready at home and you wrapped up the leads and you put the thing and you got the car and then and got in the car and then you drove the three miles down to Carrick and Bano and you did the festival and then you, you know what I mean? If you, if you count in, if you were getting paid by the hour, <laughs> like, yes. you know what I mean? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, so, yeah. so tell us, uh, you know, obviously then moving on for you, you know, um, I know that in in you, when you went to in 1996, you were in San Francisco, and that's kind of where things took a a different turn for you. Still with music, but in a in maybe not a way you had anticipated. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, I was over in San Francisco, and I was I wasn't living there an hour or anything. I was just uh, traveling there for for about three weeks, and um, I was just in a bar, uh, the Clown Stars, it's called, and. Um, I, I I was invited on stage to sing. Um, I was with a group of people and then, you, you know, we were kind of, I, at that stage I was kind of singing, you know, a little bit. And um, I was invited, I sang a few songs. And when I came off stage, John Faulkner came up to me and said that he really enjoyed my singing, who, who John Faulkner happened to be married to Dolores Kane, uh, the very well-known Irish um, singer. And... Uh, she was just about to record her new album and he said, would I be interested in singing on the album um, when I came back to Ireland? And and I did. I came back um, um, and I sang on The Night Owl, the album The Night Owl. And and I, then from there until 2001, I was in Dolores' band for about five years. We tra- travelled uh, America and Europe and uh, Ireland and was it, was yeah. it a you know for you was it a daunting kind of process because obviously Dolores was such a fantastic singer is a fantastic singer but at that time at the height of her success it must have been pretty intimidating no to sing in front of her and to, to be asked to perform with her yeah I mean it was it, it um it, it was in one way um but if you know Dolores you'll just know that she is one of the like uh least intimidating people really you know i mean it's just she's just she's as down to earth as it comes you know and um but what i what i really liked was that she always promoted my so I, during that time i was really getting into my songwriting you know i, I you know i've been to america bought the guitar da, 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 and things were i was kind of in the background do, doing the singing with dolores but writing my own songs and she would always insist that insist that um at every gig that I would do a spot in the middle of her set on my own out there with a guitar or, or with one of the band or whatever um, and sing my own songs. And like, that was amazing because like that, for me, that was a ready-made crowd that had come to hear, hear Dolores King, um, who, who got to hear my songs. And, you know, I have some amazing memories of that. And she was very gracious in that way that she, you know, gave that time to me, you know, um, I remember being, I have a beautiful memory of being in Cambridge Folk Festival in England huge like just I don't know how many thousands of people out there in the audience who'd come to see Dolores and it was the evening time and it was whatever whenever that is was it August or something and I remember she said go out and I was singing one of my songs I was on my, on my own with my guitar on this huge stage with this huge audience and I just remember a hot air balloon they were doing you know the, you know in festivals there's always these little things you can do and one of them was you could go hot air hair, hot air ballooning so there were people in hot air balloons just rising above the crowds on this kind of like red sky. And it was just amazing. I thought, oh, my God, no mobile phone. <laughs> Couldn't <Yeah>. take a phone. <laughs> no, but I have it here. I have it here. I have it yeah, here. It was amazing. But, you know, so it was a beautiful time. Um, it was a great time to 
to travel the world. I mean, I was still quite young and just uh, really enjoying it and getting to meet amazing, you know, musicians and sing with great people and um it was lovely, you know. Yeah. And you really you just... you sang on that that Woman's Heart tour as well, didn't you? I did. I did. I uh so the, that was the the 10 years on Woman's Heart tour. Um so yeah, I was I was uh I think each each um person who was involved so there was Eleanor McAvoy and um Maura O'Connell and um Mary Coughlin and Dolores and so they all could bring sort of someone with them from their own band sort of thing. And then there would be um, a collective kind of band thing that they would, they would sing together and everything at the end of the night. So I, so Dolores, I'm very, very chuffed that she, she asked me to come along and be part of that. So um, I, yeah, I did that. Um, and that was, that was fantastic as well. I mean, again, you know, just getting to sing with all these great ladies on, on stage and uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and what, you know, obviously when you started with Dolores, did you have to change your singing style in any way? Because, you know, you were you were kind of, I suppose, at times you were doing a lot of harmonies with her and backing and stuff. So did you have to relearn how to use your voice with her? I really did. That's that's no one's ever asked me that before. I really did. Um, I, I As I said earlier on, you know, I, I'm not a, I didn't come from a traditional background, really, you know, um, uh, I uh, love traditional music and love traditional singers, but I just didn't, I, you know, it wasn't something that I w- would have come from. So, so like coming from uh, enjoying sort of pop music and, and folk music and all that. And then, to, so for me, when I sing um, with somebody, I like to have the phrasing right. And I, I don't like it to be out of sync with them. You'll understand that kind of thing, Simon, you know what I mean? Uh, so to, to learn, so Dolores would do a lot of triplets in her voice and that kind of channel style. and. Um, uh just she's an amazing voice and it's kind of different and so I had to kind of learn I remember literally going over and over listening to her singing all her songs and just going okay she sings like that and kind of getting to grips with how she sings a song kind of thing you know um but great I mean that's that's that was uh, another thing for me to add to my musical um whatever you'd say equipment I can't think of yeah, the word yeah, but you know what I mean yeah, it was, yeah. it was your another, portfolio your portfolio yeah but, yeah. but also, no, I, I mean, also, though, just, you know, in terms of, I think now I probably add in some of those triplets to my yeah. songs that I have without even knowing it, because it's another thing that just, you know, adds to, to your, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, obviously, because, you know, whether musicians have played with Dolores Keen or played with Prince or played with anybody, um, was it was it a process that you kind of, at the beginning had to put a lot of work in on your own or you know did Dolores help you a lot and coach you through it and everything singing with her uh no there was no coaching no coaching uh that wouldn't be Dolores' style and I don't mean that in any in any good yeah. or bad way it, yeah it, yeah yeah it just wouldn't be her style it wasn't the way I remember uh so the first thing that John had asked would I sing on on the album and we you know it was recorded in Limerick I can't remember the, the name of the studios now in Limerick and we were I was put up in a lovely apartment and and um we were all staying together and getting to know I didn't know any of them so getting to know Dolores and John and all the band and everything and we would just go into the studio and I was just like given she would have sang a song and I was just uh I suppose John Faulkner more than Dolores actually John was John's great uh John would have 
coached me in terms of harmony. So I would have picked a harmony to do. I would have had time the night before. Da, 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 what would I do? And then I'd go into the studio and he would be like, maybe you could try this or will you put a third harmony here? Or would you try? So I, I did that. And that was um, at harmony is my favorite thing in the world. I harmonized all my life. Love harmonizing. Uh, I think I could be a backing vocalist forever if I, if I was given the chance. But um, yeah, so I, I think John coached me a little bit and would have told me maybe not use that one, use this one. But uh, I kind of, it was just a very gradual learning thing, really. Yeah. With the, with Dolores. Yeah. So, so obviously that was, that was a great learning experience as well. And I mean, it was great that they gave you the chance to, you know, pursue your own songs on the tour and, and to, to, and you know, like that, where you got a chance to try out your songs and see how they worked, if people liked them and so on. So when you, you know, when did, it, I, I know you did your first CD in 1999, Silent Thief, wasn't it? Um, so, was that something where like you came back off tour and or finished the tour and thought I'm going to record my own thing and you kind of had that confidence from doing the tour? Uh, yeah, I, I never thought it through very much, but I think that really is what it is. You know, you know, um, and I don't even know how confident I really was when I did that first album, but I knew that um, I had I had stuff to get out and I had stuff that I want you know what that I do and I'd written songs and I was kind of I suppose I was um testing the waters and seeing sort of what sort of a musician am I what sort of a songwriter am I you know I've always I've always written sort of written I've always loved English the English language I've always loved poetry and uh writing maybe poetry and um so I I, I think for me it was just being able to write and then put music to that and see what it was like now my first album is it's um it's kind of a funny mishmash of, um, you know, I have an opera singer on there and I have electric guitar on there and I have, acoustic, you know, so it's kind of a mishmash of things. But it was great. Fantastic experience. It was great crack altogether. And um, uh, and being able to experiment. I remember Porrick Stevens, you know, Porrick Stevens yeah, from Porrick, uh, yeah. his songs for the Sawdarks and everything. He came in and did some percussion. And I remember him, he had a bad back or something. And he was in the studio on the ground and he had, he brought a saucepan in and he put water in the saucepan and he was banging it and making these <laughs> noises and everything. And uh, just to get that one note, you know, one little sound that he wanted among the songs. And You, you uh, recorded that in, in Black Rose, no, in Menla, no? Aiden, Aiden, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and was was it a process like for that? Did you have a limited amount of time to do it? Like, did you have to go back out and tour, or did you? Could you take your time? I took my time. Yeah, I took my time on that one. I think, but having said that, well, I can't even remember how long. But it, you know, I I knew sort of what I wanted to do with it, and I remember John Faulkner from Dolores Kane. This is this is where the experience comes in. He had shown me this kind of way of if you're recording how to keep an eye on everything you're doing. So I had kind of little, little graphs, and uh, you know, to kind of show me what I had done and what instruments I wanted to bring in. And that was done. That was half done. That was, you know, very interesting. And, um, and it was a great way to do it and just experimenting. I just loved, I remember with the opera singer, I remember thinking there was one song that I, it's called Afraid of the Dark and uh, I couldn't find a solo. I couldn't figure out what it was. Um, and I just love this creative process, even if it's mad. And I remember just waking up in the night, or, you know, in the night and going, what could it be? And then I thought, opera, maybe oh. opera. And I know a friend of mine had a friend. She, she's Jap from Okinawa, uh, an island off Japan, and uh, Eriko. And she put the the uh, opera on this mad opera solo and everything. So 
you know, just the whole creative process. I just love it. I still love it. I absolutely love it. I can imagine you waking up in the middle of the night and you, you're doing the opera yourself and you're like, this will work, this will work. <laughs> yeah, not quite. I can't quite go to those uh, those levels. The neighbours were like, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish I could, you know. Uh, Yvonne actually in the band, uh, which we'll probably talk about, she she, yeah. she learned, she trained to be an opera singer. So we might be doing wow. that yet in the rains. We might be, uh, you never, never know. know. You could you could take a new new uh, direction maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then um obviously and then just moving on then to your second um in 2005 Woken was that a different kind of did you approach it a different way with the songs and everything? I think very different in a way. I think um I think the first one was so like uh, experimental and and you know um, the second one, very different. I went in on my own with these ideas of the songs kind of written. Um, and Adrian Flatley was, it was the song, it was his, his, uh, do you know Adrian? Flatley? I know Adrian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was his, his, uh, studio. Great musician. Um, great musician. He's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And he was great in the studio because I yeah. loved how, um, he just, so I would sing my song and record this and then he would just say, what about you put da, 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 da. And he was very into it. He was very into like experimenting as well. And, but it was much more pared back, much more mellow. Um, I really thought about it. And to me, it would be more, much more sort of um, uh, representative of, of kind of what I, who I am, maybe, I think. Uh, you know, um, or, or the time I was in, at the, that time of my life, maybe. You know, it's just a, uh, it's a very kind of reflective kind of a CD, I think. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and so you know the um, when you look back, kind of now with those albums, you know, is there is which of those two albums would be kind of your favorite, or do you have a favorite? <laughs> uh, I I suppose Woken, the second one. Yeah. For that reason, is that I feel I knew more about what I wanted to do, but then you know you have to kind of you have to just really accept that, that, you know, I'm very proud of the first one because that was a place I was in and, um, uh, you know, I just, uh, I like even now, you know, I'm recording again and it's just, I think every album you do is just about the place you are in your life yes. and who you're surrounded by and the, and the music you're being influenced by. I think we change all the time. I certainly do. And so it slightly changes. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of a funny uh, thing, but, I've heard kind of bigger bands and they talk about, you know, oh, we were recording that album for a year or six months. And people say, and, you know, could you can you listen back to that album now? And they go, no, because, you know, I've played it so much live to death and everything. So mm -hmm. some artists will say, I can't listen back to my songs or whatever. But mm -hmm. then I heard another artist say one day and he was kind of he was the first voice I heard from over the years of lots of different artists who had a different spin on it. And what he yeah. said was, he said, if you can't listen to your own songs, how do you expect anybody else to listen to them? And I thought mm. that's a good point. So even though people get sick of them, you should be able to put on your own song and go, wow, that turned out quite well. Or, you know, or not yeah. that I can't listen to that. You know? Yeah. No, I think there should be absolute pride in what you do. There are times, you know, when I, when I think, for me, maybe it's an Irish thing. I get a little bit, bit embarrassed, actually. If, if I go in somewhere and it's on the radio or, or someone has, you know, you're going to someone's house and they put on your CD for you and you're like, God, please, no, you know. It, you know what it is? I always call that it's too local. Like, for example, <laughs> it's kind of like 
you could go out in front of a thousand people and sing your song and have great confidence. But if you're at a party or a christening or something and someone hands you a guitar and say, play that song, your song. What's and you're that? like, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it now. I'll do a Bob Dylan song. And they're like, yeah. no, no, play your song. And then I, I always kind of think, it's crazy, isn't it? You think you'd be the most comfortable there, but sometimes yeah. not. No, no, no. I know exactly where you're going with that one. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, like if my family sat down and said, will you sing for us? Even if it's a cover, I'm just like, really? I, I don't think I I find it very hard. To, the smaller the number, the yes. harder it gets. I think. Yeah, give me 10,000 any day and, and you know, it becomes <laughs> blank. You know, it becomes a bit, you know, not that I, believe me, I have not had 10,000 very often, but do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it's just, I, me, me, I don't know what that is psychologically. Maybe we we're not sure if those people are like really liking the song or they're they're proud of us or what the hell's going on. But it's, it, yeah. it can be a tough crowd sometimes. <laughs> very tough crowd. And I think it's a very, um, it's because we know them so well and we know, you know, some of them, we get on better with the than others. And, and you are wondering, you're, you're going through all their personalities thinking, do they think I'm, you know, what are they thinking of this? And, you know, it's because it's too close to the bone, maybe, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to do the terrible thing and ask you to play a song now. <laughs> <laughs> OK, just at this time, really? <laughs> you see the way I worked that in? That was like right. a magic moment. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. OK, I'd love to. Um, and I'm wondering what to sing now after all, uh, all no, my talks. Whatever, wherever your gut tells you. I think that's it, exactly, isn't it? Uh, I have a couple here of ideas, so I think I'll go yeah. with them. Um, uh, this is a, a finger-picking one. Brilliant. <laughs> but, yeah. I'll just go a little bit closer now here so you can hear me. And it's called Be Gone, Be Gone. It's kind of, it's newish. Uh, yeah, not recorded yet, that is. Yeah, okay. It. Again, makes me sink back in, makes me blue. Every stolen look, all that we both took, reminds me how I shook when I saw you. We don't really know if there'll come a time I'll be you. You mine is love unfair. Will the years erase the memory of your face and take the sweet, sweet taste away somewhere? There's no end to this, there's no stolen kiss when I turn my face. Seems like you know, you know I can't stay long So be gone, be gone Don't wanna be the one to say goodbye Thank you. 
fragrance freeze on solid ground Just keep walking on Be gone, be gone Maybe I'll see you around But there's no end to this There's no stolen kiss And now I know You know I can't stay long So be gone, be gone Don't wanna be the one to say goodbye You know I can't stay long So be gone, be gone Don't wanna be the one to say Wow, really nice. Thank you. Thanks very That's much. Lovely, lovely sound. Messed up my own words, don't you know? No, anyway. no, don't worry, don't worry. They're your words. You can mess them up as much as you like, you know. That's, That's true. That's true <laughs> no one, know. no one can blame me no, for that. You can only sue yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's lovely. It's a lovely sound. So is that is that something that you you said you were mentioned there before? That's a new kind of idea, is it? It's a newish idea. Um, now. I wrote it, I think, I started, this is unlike me, I, I kind of write songs usually, I get an idea, and it's like, oh my God, I have to write a song about it, da, 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 fast. And this one I kind of wrote uh, a few years ago, I think, um, and kind of re-looked at it again um, and just tweaked it here and there. Yeah, so it's kind of new. Um, mm. What's your, you know, tell us a little about your songwriting process. Like, I mean... Do you get an idea and like do a little demo or do you think, okay, I have to finish it now or I'll never finish it? How do you kind of go about it? It, it varies actually, but like I find, I feel like my, my best songs have been written very quickly as in I get an idea, like I said, and, and I sit down with the guitar and, um, you know, that, that familiar question that, that I'm often asked, you know, or musicians are often asked, you know, is it the song or is it the music or the or the words that come first? Um, and I think that varies too. I might, I might hear something. Often I hear a line and I think, I, and I jot it down. It's, my phone is full, my notes in my phone are full of like, you know, these little lines that I think, oh, that would be great in a song. And I wouldn't know where I'm going to put it. And it might come in later on in a song, like, you know, and that, that honestly has happened um uh, quite often um, but uh, and then there's times when a melody just comes in I'm just messing around the guitar and melody comes in and, and the line comes along you know um, uh, there isn't really a process in terms of I have to get this down I do kind of do a little demo I don't have a studio here as such but um, I'll do a little uh, I'll put it in my phone rework it a little bit go back to it um, you know I'm constantly doing that and and uh, trying to get it all together as a song you know and then maybe regrouping words and stuff yeah yeah varies yeah, varies yeah, yeah that's great and so let's move on then obviously with the rains you know you um for anybody who hasn't listened to the christmas podcast where, where you were on with the girls um or the ladies will call them i won't maybe they <laughs> some people like to be called girls still and some people call like to be called ladies we don't so, mind what we're called as long yeah, as it's nothing so, rude so, you know i mean uh, you know fair play to you come on and you, you sang a few songs and it was very good and you told us the story how you met on the ferry 
and you know it was mm-hmm. brilliant and you got together so how is that evolving now the reigns because you had a successful uh, single with bare feet and grass and mm-hmm. your next one was the uh, the um, let me get this the title now it's the love is a sublime gun isn't it no but you're nearly there but i ha- we haven't actually we were just we're only we're just recording that now okay yeah but um i don't know how you heard that that's amazing yeah it's called oh maybe oh yeah okay no, uh you, we play, you played it. that we first. played it you, you uh, played yeah, it. yeah 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 so i'm wondering about that yeah it's called love it love is sublime till it draws out it's oh gone. sorry that's it yeah i remember <laughs> yeah. i remember half the title but don't worry i wasn't sneaking into your studio listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> i remember God. no and, yeah. and it's a great song you know it was a lovely song too Thank and you. i think yeah. it'll do well for you i think it'll do well i hope so yeah we're, we're um we're just in the process now of recording that and uh we've done a, we're almost finished um trying to do it all you know remotely it's kind of hard from each other's houses and that kind of thing and um uh, you know, as I said, I don't have a recording studio here, so I had to go to a local one, which is in my five kilometer radius, and had to have a COVID test going in, and then not seeing that. You know, it's just, oh my god! But anyway, we we got uh, we have the guts of it down now, and it's just uh, deciding on on different parts and what we want to put in. But we're excited about it. I, I, like the last sing- single, "Bare Feet on Grass." Um, we have Brian Masterson up in Windmill Lane doing our doing work, doing his magic on it. Um, so we're really excited about that. He's amazing to work with, you know. And um, I had a great chat with him earlier, and you know his ideas are, are great, and he really listens to what the mus- musician wants and everything. And um, yeah, so we're, we're we are we're excited about the new single. Mm. Brilliant, and obviously, you know, because you're, you, I, I don't, you're, I don't want to say you're a new band, but you're relatively new. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. not together that long, so mm-hmm. you were very unlucky in the sense that um, the COVID kind of stopped a lot of your touring. And I know you, you played in in January there in Dolan's. I, I watched that on yeah. YouTube. It was a great concert, yes. you know. Thank and, you. Thank and um, so you've done a few um, kind of concerts without a crowd or an audience and mm-hmm. probably a few virtual gigs as well so are you managing to kind of put things uh, not put things but to line up some gigs for the next few months how's that going yeah we're trying our best to keep sort of um you know like you say it just i felt like it was just starting for us and as you you know it's not we're, we're not um as a band, we're kind of relatively new, I suppose, and it's exciting. It just seems to have clicked and worked and people were interested. And we had some, uh, any gigs we've done so far have been completely sold out. We don't, we don't know what's going on. We can't get over it, you know, and it's been amazing and a lovely time for us. And then COVID happened, as you said. But, you know, you can either mourn that and think, oh, my God, you know, or you know, look forward. And that's what we've done. We've, we've been in touch. We're constantly in touch. We're constantly, we're writing songs where we've done some videos, just, just, you know, our own little, um, makeshift videos at home and that kind of thing during, especially last year before the single. And then we had the single bare feet and grass and that got, became number one. And the, uh, you know, um, and the iTunes. And just, just on the, just on the thing about the videos, one thing mm. I've noticed on some of your Facebook posts, you'll definitely have to put the, the cow on the clothesline in one of the videos. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's Love brilliant. That. I yeah, mean, it, that would it, be a good one. It's yeah. so good, and it's so it's so simple, but so yeah. clever. I didn't do that, by the way. 
Oh, you know, that wasn't mine. No, but I saw I saw you had posted like one or two different ones. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think yeah. I think I saw it on your one, and but I thought to myself, that's really clever, and it's yeah. it's kind of practical art. But, yeah, but like amazing. I, I keep thinking it's funny you mentioned that because I keep thinking, what could I make on the on the line there? My my husband Dara, my husband Dara is an artist, and my son is really artistic. And I'm sure between them now, they, uh, and me, I love it too. We could come up with some other, a few little animals there. On the there'll be there'll be some woman out there now, and she'll have her knickers on the line, and she'll yeah. say to the husband, "It's a dove, it's a dove." Yeah. And he'll say, "All I see is a an off white bra." Yeah. <laughs> but they'll be all like, "I recognise my clothes in Ruth's garden. They're all yeah. like leopard leopard print uh, something to yeah, I know." Stealing know. the neighbor's dungarees. Yeah. <laughs> You'd never know now, Simon. I'll keep you You'd posted on that one. And um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously with the rains now and you're recording the second second single, um, is there plans to just kind of record single by single or are you thinking of an album? Oh, definitely an album. And we have nearly, we have quite a lot of the song, songs written for an album. Um, so it's kind of, really, it's kind of how do we, so, Ideally, we'd love to be all in the studio together. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard. It really is such a different pro- process. We were talking about recording earlier to be separate, separated. And, you know, you're not in there with the bass player going, oh, I love that line. Or, you know, do that one again. This way we're, we're sending it off and somebody does bass and then they send it to us. And we all have to listen to it in our own houses. And then we send it to Brian, and, uh, you know, up in Windmill Lane. And we're all wonder, you know, and they, you know, so it's just so different and and a little bit harder you know but so for now we're going to do this single and maybe keep going because we don't know how long before we can all be together in in a in a in a studio where we could you know maybe get a few songs down and uh, you know in in, in a shorter period of time that but um we're happy to go this way with it for now and keep writing and we're you know we have plans to do um we have, we have gigs that we want to uh, honour that we've already, you know, whenever places open up again where we couldn't play. And um, we were to play in the Town Hall Theatre actually there a few weeks ago um, in Galway and do a streamed gig. But that was cancelled because of lockdown, the lockdown again, level five. So we couldn't be together in the same room. But uh, that's we have that at the end of the summer, and uh, yeah, we, we have a few things definitely in line, a few gigs that we need to get to. Um, so as soon as we can, as soon as everything opens up, sure everyone's going to want to play, but we'll um, we'll be doing a tour for sure. Yeah, can't yeah, wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, obviously, with um, when you're the recording process and you're doing it kind of remotely and everything, but that must be a little bit harder because you're you're a very kind of a harmony based group. So, you know, yeah. yeah, I know one time I used to play with these two girls, the two two sisters. And the thing is, they used to do lots of harmonies with each other. And obviously, mm-hmm. when you're learning harmonies and working out seconds and thirds, and all, you need to be in the same room or you need to be kind of in that area. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's much harder for you guys to record it unless you've previously worked out uh, t- t- together. It's very hard to record it, no? Very hard. That, that that would be that's that's the biggest challenge because we are a very harmony based band, and I think that's going to be our um, our signature kind of mm. sound, really. You know, yeah. and so a lot of it, a lot of songs we we have because you know we had worked up to having a full set anyway. We were doing gigs, so we have a lot of songs that we had previously worked out harmony wise. But even now, <clears throat> I spend a lot of time just you know putting down ideas. I'll send them to Yvonne. Um, 
she gets an idea, she'll send it back, as in just WhatsApping yeah. ideas to each other, you know. And then when we get into the studio, it's just like we're hoping it, it works, you know. But um, this song, anyway, we have definitely, we've, we've pretty much worked out what we can do um, or what, we, what we're going to do on it. And then we will mess around with some of the melody lines and send them all off to Brian. And we might just see, we might put in a few extra things here and there and hope for yeah. the best. It's different. It really yeah, is different. different. But, well, yeah, yeah I, I mean, with, with recording, you know, thank God for modern technology. And, you know, the thing about it is you can still, as you said earlier, experiment and do all these different things. The only thing is that you're doing a lot of it remotely now. But even WhatsApp and notes and all these kind of tools that you can say, hey, have a listen to this and, you know, see, yeah. work a harmony out over it. I mean, yeah. if we didn't have that technology in this current COVID kind of crisis or scene, we'd yeah. be lost as musicians, no? And as everything. Completely. Uh, oh, completely. I mean, you know, besides even trying to create and, and make an album or to, 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 you know, work out harmonies, I mean, where would we be without music and art and, you know, like in the last year, really and truly, like, you think, where where is everyone going to? They're going to, they're going to YouTube and they're going to Facebook and they're going to Instagram. They're looking for all this, you know, and then and all this talent has come out, you know, that and people have found other ways to entertain. And those are the people who are probably paid worst in the world job wise and, and yeah, you know yes. and do worse financially than most, you know. Um and they're doing it. I, I see people here in Galway and they're doing their Facebook live every Saturday night, you know, yeah. and and they're enter and people are waiting, you know, it's just fantastic. Like you know, where would it be? It's just just no, technology. It's great. And, right. and you know, I, hopefully now that will continue. And you know, it will change things because obviously um, you're going to have this mixture of things, you know, we're probably going to be um, like in a year in the pubs, right? And they'll be saying, what time are the band setting up? And they go, no, no, it's a Facebook live gig. And they'll be like, oh, really? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, he's he's playing from San Francisco. Or he's, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, because what will start happening is uh, publicans and proprietors will start to kind of say, well, listen, if if that guy could do a Facebook live gig last year during the COVID, mm -hmm. can he not do it now and we put it on the screen and, you know, maybe pay him a little less? And, you yeah. Know, and, 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 and especially in smaller venues where there's no stage room or something. So yeah. I think you'll see all different ideas coming. It'll never be a live gig, but I think no. you'll see different things. I think it will be used in some ways. Yeah, I think definitely things have changed a bit. But I think... Really, though, uh, the, the most thing I hear people saying is I can't wait to hear some yes. live music, yeah. live well, theatre, live... You know, I, I yeah. feel what it is, it's a kind of, it's like the practicalities of running a pub or any kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody wants to go in and spend their money that they've been trying to save and hold on to not spending. But what happens is when the publicans go back, they'll be they'll probably be working to tighter budgets and tighter, you know, deadlines with mm -hmm. money and everything. So maybe... Oh, I hope not, but maybe yeah. it's going to be harder to book gigs, be, especially in bars, because yeah. they'll probably be saying, oh, well, look, at, we're still trying to make money back from last year's loss, so we mm. can't pay as much. So it, there is going to be change for sure. I think there will be change. I think, you know, the days of those kind of, um, I don't know. It's very hard to know. Yeah, I think publicans, I feel so sorry for them. They're in a terrible position and they are, they're going to, 
they're going to be careful with the money, I'd imagine. And so it might be just, you know, one guy on his own doing doing yeah. songs. I don't know. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. Will bands be out of the question. I don't know. It's gonna be Yeah, hard. you might yeah, like, you know, especially when you used to go into Go one time there'd be a five piece cover band and it might be very hard to get that now. Mm. You know, um yeah. and I like I hope not. I hope but just unfortunately these kind of a things happen in our, you know, every few generations and mm-hmm. they change things, whether it be mm-hmm. the price of drink going up, whether it be taxation or whatever. But this is a huge kind of uh, detriment to our society, and isn't it? Yeah, yeah, big shift. Big shift. I mean, because it's more than, I know we're kind of known to be the drinkers and all that, but it's more than, the pub is more than that. The pub is really more than that in Ireland. And I think, I think people should know that it's 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 just this kind of hub of where you know people can meet up and and people who are on their own can go up for an, a pint in the night and just meet somebody and chat and maybe not have spoken to someone all day and yeah, you know you sure. see somewhere like Cam- Campbell's Tavern out and out and clocking over there in Hedford and he you know it's the hub of the community yeah, is Campbell's Tavern really and all yeah, he does yeah, really yeah. yeah. What he does out there is amazing. Like, and yeah, you know, yeah. so you know, all these people, like, it's very tough. Yeah. Just, I, I, we're going to finish up pretty shortly, but I, I wanted to ask you about um, the the art center out near you. This this Aris Anna or whatever, because I know Anna, Anna, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, Aris <laughs> Anna. Yeah, I know you were doing some work with them and stuff, but. That that's an interesting story because that kind of wasn't really an art center, but it's become an art center, no, in a way. Yeah, you're going to catch me up here because I'm not really sure of the ins and outs, but yes, that's right. So Dara, my husband, work, he, he, he runs the art centre out there. He's the creative director out there and um, uh, manages uh, Orisena. So it's, it, uh, it wasn't originally intended, I think, to be an art centre, uh, but it has become one. And so there's a beautiful theatre there, a lovely little theatre, and they do shows and they do music and, they, you know... Um, also, it's a it's a space for artists. So they have uh, an artist residency there. So throughout the year, different people come and they create something and they create something with the islanders. And uh, it's out in Inishir, which is the yeah, smallest yeah. of the Aran yeah. Islands out there, and um, it's just beautiful. So yeah, for us, it's great. But, we go out but there. But I think it has great potential, even for like bands like yourself and other bands mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. to go out there doing gigs and this kind of stuff. I know you'll have to have people that'll be out there and. But it's just lovely, isn't it? I think it's a, it's a great thing to have those kind of art centres in small rural places. You know, it really, it's so important. It's so important. And like, uh, you know, you, you'd think you'd, you'd need people to get on boats to go out there, but actually the islanders themselves are, are just love, you know, new stuff that co- coming coming to. And you have the most amazing festivals out there and, um, uh, you know, like raves and, you know, but everything's, it's just it just works really well. It's just a lovely, lovely island. Um, we've had great times there, and we, you know, my husband rents a house out there for because he go he'll go out for a few days a week. So in the summer, we can we I can spend a lot of time there with my little fella and the, the freedom of it. And but the art center is very special. It's a great old place. Yeah, it's where it's where the rains did their first gig. So it's always yeah, good to be. Well, that's I mean, so it yeah. it holds a special place for you as well. It so does. that's great. It does yeah. So so listen, you know, uh, we'll you know you'll probably play us out with a song, but before we get you to do that. What kind of, you know, for this year, what 
for you personally, I, I know with the reins, obviously you have lots of ambitions and, you know, you, you, I think you'll do really well, whether it be this year or next year. I think that it could be a slow trail because of COVID, but I yes. think once it kicks off, I think you'll do great and it'll be brilliant. It'll be great to see you doing well. But for you yourself personally, what kind of ambitions do you have for this year or aspirations? What are you kind of hoping to do? Well, um, the, the band would be quite high up there in the, the aspirations, I suppose. But, you know, my life is kind of busy. I, I, mm. I have an eight-year-old and he's, he's a busy little lad. And um, so, you know, up to now, it's been a lot of homeschooling. He just went back to school. What, what's, his what's, your, what's your eight-year-old? Oshin. Oshin, my little okay. fellow is Oshin. Yeah. And uh, he's eight. He's an amazing artist and he's a live wire and he's great. But he's just come back to school, which is which has just freed me up just this week. Um, and I just realised, oh, my God, I have this time to... So I've been trying to, you know, write a little bit and and do some things. But this year, yeah, I mean, definitely focus on the band, uh, focus on the family. And uh, I work as well. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, Simon, but I work um, with the Brothers of Charity. So okay. I work with people, with adults with special needs. Okay. So I do... So I'm doing Zoom classes with them uh, a few... Now, I normally I go to the centres and so I would do that uh, two or three, three or four mornings a week. And um, that, so that's amazing. So I'm working that's on that. For for yeah, so it's good. It's good. It's, uh, that's great. Old, it's great. Old crack, you know, and uh, it's they're, and, they're good. And can fun, can you know? I ask you with, with that, like when the classes you're doing, is it through music or is it different? Oh, music. Music. Oh, yeah. music. Yeah. So kind of depending on, on you know, I might have. A lot of the class or a small class, and so depending on levels of ability or you know disability, um, we write songs and record songs, and um, you know use instruments and percussion and uh, to try and uh, make music. You know, and and uh, it's great. It's been a great learning curve for me uh, with the guys because sometimes my expectations of music, you know, when I would go into uh, people who I've, I'm singing with all the time, someone will get a harmony and they'll get it and they're in time. And sometimes with people um, who maybe don't have that ability to do that, you know, you kind of have to uh, drop your expectations, but not in a bad way. It's really good. You think, okay, this is great. And you can forgive a tambourine that's out of beat or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's, well, uh, well, yeah. well, I think in those cases, you know, there's nobody, nobody judging and, You've got to, I mean, for, for anybody, any able-bodied person, it's very yeah. hard sometimes to learn an instrument and people don't have the patience or whatever. So yeah. I think, of course, obviously, the less ability you have, maybe percussion instruments are kind of the limit for you. But I mean, it's great because they still have melody inside them and they still have the percussion. Ooh. And, you yeah. know, th there's a yeah. lot going on there, no? Oh my God, I, you know, sometimes you just would be amazed at what, what uh, people can do and how they can move with freedom that I would never have if I had to get up and, and as you said, we were talking about singing in front of family, you know, but these people are just jumping up and dancing in a, in a beautiful way that you, you know, it's just, yeah. And no qualms, no qualms about it. They'll just no, do it. Not about it. Yeah. They'll just yeah, do it. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Fair, fair play to you. I mean, because, you know, sometimes... I think people see a side of people, you know, they're working in the music industry and they don't realize that those people have jobs because you, it's very hard to survive on the, in the music industry and you have to have another job a lot of the time. And um, the, the, when you hear people, you know, doing those kind of jobs is brilliant because they're really giving back to society as well. 
Mm-hmm. Like I paid for it too, and it's yeah. a, but well, no, there's but, nothing wrong with that. But but no, I mean, you're you're doing a yeah. great thing because those people, mm-hmm. you know, I guarantee you, once you do that class with them, it brightens up their day. It's not yeah. like they're going into math going, oh, I hate this class. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. It's all. It's usually fairly happy, you know. You, you know, and for me as well, I I might be going oh, and then I once I'm off, it's like you know, I'm, I'm invigorated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and and sometimes challenging work can be like that. Uh, you know, I remember um, when I was living, I used to live for a, a long time in Tume and I was a guitar teacher there. And and then I start, I started teaching guitar to the traveler kids, you know, and a lot of them wouldn't have the capabilities um, really because culture wise, they a lot of them didn't play instruments. There were some mm-hmm. great singers. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. but the thing was, and even sometimes it would be a struggle, you know, in a normal situation where you say to a settled family, you might say, um, you, can you get them a guitar, you know, and you have to get this guitar. But sometimes in, in the traveler families, they couldn't get the guitar for different reasons. And sometimes you could be teaching the same child for six weeks and they still wouldn't have a guitar. So it was, mm-hmm. they were only learning while they were in the class, yeah, only that right, day. Right. It was very challenging. And, and I recorded an album with some Traveller kids in Portumna. And and, and, oh. and the thing was, you see a different side and you see kind of when people don't have the resources or the instruments, how they make it work. And mm-hmm. even if they're not great singers, how they can make it work and how you can make it work for them. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a win-win, really, isn't it? It's a win-win. It's a great thing, yeah. you know. And so, I mean, that's great. Fair play to you. So I think, you know, to uh, see us out, you might do us a song. And, um, you know, I want to say thank you, Ruth, for coming on. I enjoyed you when you were on at Christmas. And I said, I have to have the girls on again. But this time I said I was going to bring you on separately because, I, you know, it, it's yeah. just to hear each of your stories, you know, and great. it's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you've had an interesting life so far and it's going to be more interesting, I I, I hope and I imagine. So yeah, fair play yeah. to you and, and best you. of luck yeah. with everything with your own music and with the rains and everything that's coming in the next year or so. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show again and we hope to see you sometime in the future. So what are you going to play us out with? Well, I don't know. Let me think. Uh, thanks for having me, Simon. I, welcome, I've loved chatting to you. It was great yeah. our chat all together. Yes. Um, so I might do. So I was in a bluegrass band a few years ago and um, called the Molly Hicks. And um, it was pure bluegrass. And uh, so I kind of wrote a few songs uh, in that style, you know. So I might do something like that for the crack. Yeah. This is called Honey, You Can't Be My Darling Now. Honey, you can't be my love. There 
Thank you very Thanks, much, Ange. and it was a pleasure having you, and we will see you again soon. Ruth, Dylan, everybody. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Simon. Great chatting. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that, everybody. That was Ruth Dylan. I hope everything goes really well for you this year, Ruth, and that was a very interesting conversation, and uh, you gave us some great insight into your life and how a singer-songwriter is in this modern age. So we want to thank you very much for that, and we wish you all the best. Okay, moving on to next week's guest. Next week's guest is John Spillan. So John Spillan is a musician, songwriter, performer, recording artist, storyteller, poet, and a dreamer. A two-time Meteor Award winner for Best Folk Trad Act, John is one of the most accomplished songwriters in Ireland. With an extensive back catalogue beginning with the 1997 album The Wells of the World, his songs have been covered by Christy Moore, Sharon Shannon, Sean Keane, and many others. Twelve albums later, John is set to release his first independent album in 20 years, 100 Snow White. Horses. So we look forward to that interview and we hope you'll join us on the Collective Whisper podcast. My name is Simon Kay. Thank you very much for being with us and take care of yourself and look after everyone else and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.